Morning, everybody that's left. <coughs> it's the one from last week. You do? Thank you. Okay. As soon as everybody quits talking. It's not mama this time, it's pastor. No more? Well, that's it. <clears throat> All right, everybody, let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today. Thank you for this moment and to be in your house, Lord, to hear your word, Lord, and ask you, Lord, as we open your Bible and, and look at some verses about you, Lord, that, that our minds will be heart, our, our minds will be clear and our hearts will be open, Lord, and just be with us today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, as we're still looking at the attributes of God, which is uh, basically we're trying to figure out who this God is that, that we follow and we say we serve and we love, right? And we've been talking last week, we started talking about God is love and, and we didn't finish it. So if you have your sheet from last week, that's what we'll be on. If not, um, we had some fresh ones out somewhere. I think we're out though. Mama used them all. Probably ate them. But we're going to talk about God is love, you know, and, and we, the first thing we talked about last week was what is love? And let's go to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. We're reviewing a little bit. Matthew 5, 44. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So we're talking about God's love right here. And God's love is so complete that he tells us, okay, if you're one of mine, you should love like I do. And he says, love your enemies. And if you just sit there and think about that for a minute, that's pretty deep. That's hard to love somebody that you really, maybe somebody you can't stand. You know, love those people that you can't stand. And, and what about people that are against you uh, politically or against you uh, even uh, maybe religiously? You know, they have completely different views. Love them. Love them, right? And this is, this is the, mighty, the mighty love that God displays for us. That he, think about it, he loves us while we were yet sinners. That's, that means he loves us when we were enemies of God. You were an enemy of God when you were a sinner. Okay. And until you get saved, you're an enemy of God. Okay. But he still loved you and he loves us while we were yet sinners, but he does not love our sin. And that's what we can do. We can love someone, but we don't have to love what they do. Maybe their lifestyle or their belief system. We don't have to love that. We don't. Have, and that's what this world it talks about. All, oh, let's be, we have to accept everybody and include everybody. No, we don't. We are told to love everybody, okay, but not accept their sin, you know. No, we call that out. We tell them that's sin. I love you, but that's sin, okay. That's the way God is. So God's love declared to us. Let's go to 1 John. <clears throat> 1 John, so way in the back of the Bible. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. <clears throat> the Bible says, <clears throat> excuse me, he that loveth not knoweth not God, 
for God is love. God is love. God, I and mean, we, we've already learned, God is light. God he, he is a spirit. He's holiness. He's justice. But he is love. And that love, if you're saved, that love abides in us because he sent his Holy Spirit to abide in us. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. So you're full of this love. So if you don't display it, that's a choice you make. Okay. So let's continue reviewing. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, 4 and 5. The Bible says, <clears throat> According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So what are we talking about? We're talking about God's love right here, right? So God loved us before anything was even created. Okay, so if he loved us before even the, the, the heavens and earth were created, that's long before I was created, right? But he still loved me way back then. He loved us way before, way before, you know, and this is the, the basis of election for Christians. Way before he created, he knew every single person that's ever going to be born. And he knew, he knows if that person will come to him in salvation or they will not. He already knows the future, but he still loves them. Because the Bible says God wants nobody to go to hell. Nobody, right? He loves us that much. So let's look at Psalms 103, 103, 17. And this is still reviewing a little bit, just hitting the high points. <clears throat> Psalms 103, 17. <clears throat> the Bible says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Okay. What are you talking about? We're talking about his love. His love is from everlasting to everlasting. Okay. For those that fear him. Right. So his love is from everlasting to everlasting. That's a long time. We can't measure that. That means it never started and it never ended. It just is. His love is, okay? It's everlasting. It, it, it lasts forever. It never goes away, right? And have we ever told anybody, oh, I love you forever? And then a couple weeks later, man, I hate that person. <laughs> yeah, we've probably done that because our love is, is, is different than God's love, right? But God says we should have his love. Let's go to one more. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> and let's look at verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, <clears throat> excuse me, Romans 5, verse 7 and 8. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? So we see here that God died for all sinners through his love. Jesus died for us before we were even born. That's love. And he knew we were going to be born sinners. And he knew that we were going to live our life in sin up until the point we accept him as our savior. But yet he still loved us enough that he died for us. Okay. 
So let's look at God's love demonstrated. Let's look at that. Now we're still in Romans. Let's go to chapter 8. Romans 8, and let's read verse 32. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 32, the Bible says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So the ultimate display of God's great love was sending his son to die for our sins. I mean, that's it right there. That's the ultimate love. He sent his son to die for people that didn't even care about his son, right? Jesus died for everyone's sin, right? Not just for certain groups. And there'll be other religions that say, oh, you know, this God that they're talking about just died for us, not for those. No, God died for every single person. He died for every Baptist. He died for all the Mormons. He died for all the Catholics. He died for all the Muslims, the Hindus, the Buddhists. He died for all of them. Even though a lot of those people don't even acknowledge he exists, he still died for them. Why? Because he loved them. He died for them. That, that he died for everyone's sin. And then he says, but only those who, who call on his name will get salvation. So he died for the, for the you know, the people that have another religion that don't even accept him as a God, don't even accept him as a person. He died for them because he loves them. But only those who call upon his name can have salvation. Okay? Doesn't mean he doesn't love them. He still loves them. Okay? Let's go to John 3.16. Everybody should know this verse, right? It's funny. Even the world, even people that, that don't know God or even the atheists, Guess what? They know this verse. That's so funny. You know, you see them holding it up at football games and stuff. The world that hates God, that doesn't even want to acknowledge that he exists, still knows this verse. So let's read it. John three sixteen, For God, and it's very important that we know that that's the God we're talking about. Not for a God, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay? God gave his only son. Why? Because he loves us. That's his love demonstrated. God is alone in the, in the, in, in, in the true and complete love, right? That's the, God has true, complete love. And he, he's actually the, the only entity, the only being, the only person that can display that love, complete. Okay, he gives us his love, but we are so infallible, we can't display it 100%. He's 100% love, right? Because he is the example of love. There's no other example we need. You know, we don't need a, a, a heart for Valentine's Day to, to be our example of love. Or we don't need, there's plenty of people we could go through history and say, man, they love people so much. They gave their lives for this or they did this. They did great things. Yes, but they're still not 100% love. Only God has 100% love, right? Let's go to Galatians <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live 
in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So God laid down his life for us, right? He climbed up on that cross and willingly gave his life out of love for us. Okay? And, and once you're saved, once you're saved, how are you saved? You're saved through God's love. It's a gift that he gives to us. You know, it's nothing. You can't just wake up one day and go, okay, I think I'm going to be saved. No, it's a gift God gives you and he gives it to you out of love, right? And once he gives us that gift of love and, and we accept him in salvation, guess what? All that sin that we had, that he still loved us, but we're still covered with that sin. We're released from the bondage of that sin now because he paid the price on that cross. That's love. That's love. You know, you can get you a, you can go out here and, and get you a speeding ticket and go to court. Right. And you're guilty. And the judge is going to hear your case right there. But if somebody comes along and loves you enough to pay for your fines, you're free from that. You're free. And that's what God did. Jesus paid your fine. So you are free. You didn't have to pay nothing. OK, that's amazing. That is the love we're talking about. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Ephesians 5, verse 2. <clears throat> the Bible says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Amazing verse, right? So God laid down his life for us out of love, right? It says right here that Jesus gave himself to us as an offering and a sacrifice. To who? To God. He paid for our sin by his offering and sacrifice. Because let me tell you something. Your sin, you, you cannot pay that debt. That debt is way too high for you to pay. You know, and the wages of sin is what? Death. And if you don't have that paid when you die, you go to hell. God sent his son to pay that debt. That is love. Because he became an offering and a sacrifice for our love to God. Okay? Hope that makes sense. So Ephesians, still in 5, chapter 5. Let's look at verse 25. <clears throat> and this one's hard, husbands. This one's hard, but listen to this. Husbands. Oh, God, he started off with that, right? Husbands, love your wives. Okay, we could stop right there and be, oh, man, I love my wife. I'm good, right? No, he doesn't stop right there. Husbands, love your wives. Here it comes. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Ouch, okay? So Jesus loves the church. He gave his life for the church, right? He gave himself for the church. Think about that. He died for the church. Okay? That means he died for sinful people, right? But you think about this. Husbands, love your wives. And I started thinking about that. I've read this verse a bunch and, you know, I've, I've thought about it. But when I just, when you just sit there and just take, take, some, take a few moments and think about it, right? Through Christ's example of love, right? And his example was what? He gave his son to die for you and you didn't deserve it. 
but he still let his son die for you. Husbands are to love their wives with this same sacrificial love. Stop and think about that. If you're a husband, you have to love your wife with the same sacrificial love that Christ died for us. Okay? It even gets deeper because think about it. You have to love her with that same sacrificial love for her benefit, not for your benefit. Because Christ died for our benefit. He didn't die for his benefit. He died for our benefit. So we have to love our wives in the same sacrificial way for her benefit. Oh, hang on. There's one more part to it without expecting anything in return. Christ died sacrificially on the cross because he loved us, knowing he would get nothing in return, and he didn't expect anything in return. And right there it says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. If that is not a lot of, of heavy stuff on a husband's heart, it is. It is. That's heavy. I have to love my wife with such a sacrificial love, and it's for her benefit, not mine. Right? That's heavy. That's, that's some deep love. You know? That's love. So let's go on. Well, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other lesson, but it's, it's just deep. Okay? So Ephesians. Still in Ephesians. Let's go to chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. 4 through 5. <clears throat> you can talk about that husband and wife. I might have to do a do a lesson on that. Husbands love your wives. Because I know Claudia, sometimes she gets tired of me saying, hey, honey, I love you. <laughs> honey, I love you. And she's like, oh. <laughs> um, Ephesians chapter 2, and let's read verses 4 and 5. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. Amazing verse, right? So God's love is not only shown by his, <coughs> excuse me, his redemption of us, but also through his mercy toward us while we were still filthy in sin. We were still covered, nasty, disgusting in sin. And he looked down and said, I, I love that one. I really love that one. I'm going to let my son go die for that one. That's what he did. That's what he did, you know. Um, and you say, it says quickened. What does that mean? It means made alive. Because we were dead. When you're, when you're unsaved and you're just living your life and you're in sin, you might think you're living a great life like, you know, some rich guy, you know, some famous guy, maybe Elon Musk. You know, he's rich and famous, you know, Bill Gates. They're rich and famous. They have, every, they have so much money they can buy anything they want. But you know what they can't buy? They can't buy their salvation. But you know what? God still loves them. But they're covered in sin. All these entertainers we see, they're covered in sin. And these inter even the entertainers that are standing up there now and they're, they're denouncing God and, you know, they're dressing like Satan and acting a fool. Guess what? He still loves them. They're covered in sin. And the only way they can be made alive is through salvation, right? Because we were dead in sin until he quickened us with salvation. And guess why he does all that? Love. Love. Okay? Um, let's look at the results of God's love. Let's look at Psalm 63. Psalm 63. 
Psalm 63, verse 3. The Bible says, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. This is us, right? Because God, his love is better than life itself. And it says, here, here's a word I always pick out. I see it. It says shall, because in the law, in the law, the way the law books are written, there's a lot of laws that say you may. Like I, you know, I pull somebody over for speeding. I may give them a traffic ticket, right? But if you go beat up somebody, I shall arrest you. Okay, it's a whole different world. And right there it says shall. Because God is loving toward us, we shall praise him. So if you're saved, if you're truly saved, you shall praise him. If you find you have a problem praising God, I doubt you found salvation. You found a profession of faith. Maybe you believe that he died on the cross. I don't know what's going on in your heart, but it's not salvation. Because it says, you shall praise him. And why will you do that? Because when you become saved and God's love is poured into you, you have no other choice but to love God back. Okay? You shall praise him. And, and, and because without his love, guess what? We're dead. You're dead as a hammer. Okay? And let's look at, let's look at um, Hebrews 12, 16. We're going to look at a few verses in a row, and they're all tied together. We're going to learn about God's, <clears throat> the results of God's love. Hebrews 12, 6. I think I said 12, 16, didn't I? Hebrews 12, 6. Hebrews, I can't even get to 12. 12, 6. There it is. Hebrews 12, verse 6, the Bible says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. That means disciplines. For, who the, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Okay? That means God loves us, so he will discipline us. And why does he discipline us? Because what's the opposite of, of having a child that's not disciplined? They're spoiled. And we see those spoiled kids, guess what they grow up and become? They become criminals. They become uh, abusers. They become drug users. They, they beat people up. They hate people because they've had no boundaries. Okay? God doesn't do that. He says, I love you. So I'm going to give you some boundaries. This is what I expect from you. This is you read my word of God and you'll know what my boundaries are. Now, when you step out of those boundaries, expect it. And as parents, we should do that with our kids. We tell them, hey, don't get a cookie out of the cookie jar, right? And when they get a cookie out of the cookie jar, there should be no surprise. They know what's coming next. You know, it should be bend over, grab your knees. Here it comes, you know. They shouldn't tell them, oh, if you do that again, oh, if you do that one more time, one more time, like I hear, I hear parents do that. One, two, three, no. God doesn't do that. We sin, he spanks us. When you do that, you're spoiling your child. God loves us, he's not going to spoil us. He'll give us everything we need, but when we step out of bounds, he will correct us, right? Proverbs 3.11, let's look at more of this. If you think that's the only verse about that, Proverbs 3.11, Proverbs 3.11 and 12, actually, the Bible says, <clears throat> my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. 
For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son, in whom he delighteth. I like that there. It says, uh, be not weary of his correction. That means we are so hard-headed, we know what to do, but we step off and God hits us. We step off and God hits us. Don't be weary of it, because if you're doing the right thing, you wouldn't be getting disciplined, right? You know, and I think about growing up, you know, my father, he disciplined me a lot. I got weary of his correction, but I kept doing it. You know, I wasn't learning. But that's the way God is. He loves us. My, my father spanked my bottom because he loved me. You know, I mean, when I, the house I grew up in, we had a big tree that grew up right near the house. And it went right up to the second story where my room was. I knew how to get to that tree and get down that tree so fast. And there was nights he would meet me at the bottom. Mm. Um, so, but don't be weary of God's correction because he corrects you because he loves you because he doesn't want you to do the wrong thing, right? He wants to keep you from that pain. Revelations 3.19, let's look at this one. God wants to keep us from doing stupid things, right? Just like your kids, you correct them because you want to keep them from doing stupid things. Because you, you did the same stupid thing, right? It's exactly the way I was when I, you know, I had my kids. I know what I did when I was young, and I know the, the stupid things and the trouble it caused and the pain it caused and the destruction it caused. So I try to teach my kids, don't do that. You know? That's what God's doing. He's trying to keep us from doing stupid things, right? Revelations 3.19. The Bible says, As many as I love. Look at those words right there. As many as I love. We could stop right there. God loves us all, right? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So he, right there he's saying, I know you're going to do wrong because you're sinful and you're hard-headed, right? He said, but I love you and I'm going to correct you. But be zealous and just repent of what you've done and get back in that fellowship with me. That's what God wants because he loves you. He wants you to be close to him. You know, you think about it. Maybe you grew up and you had, had some hard times with your parents. and Maybe you went off for several years and didn't talk to them. That's because of you, because you're hard-headed. But your parents want you back, and they want you to love them. They want you to be there with them. They love you, right? Same thing with God. And th this is because God is loving, and He loves us, right? And, and it's all... He's not disciplining us because he's just a hard God. He's mean. No, because if that was true, he wouldn't provide for us, right? Because God loves us, he disciplines us and corrects us. And like I said, he doesn't do this to mean, to be mean. He does this to keep us from trouble because he knows where we're going. He knows the future. He knows if we make that decision, he knows if we go along that path with that decision we just made, it's going to hurt us. It's going to hurt everybody around us. You know, it may cause somebody to die. Who knows what your decision is? But how much trouble and damage do we cause when we disobey God, right? And, and how much trouble would we avoid if we just listened to our parents? Think back from the day you're born or as far back as you can remember. Think about all the stupid things you did. And, and all the way up until the day you got saved. How much trouble could you avoid it if you listened to your parents? Man, I think every head should be, yep, okay. Now, same thing. How much trouble could you, we have avoided in our life if we obeyed God? He's our father. Here's his book. He gives it to us freely. How much trouble could we avoid if we just listened to him? 
right? That's exactly what he's talking about. That's because he loves us. Proverbs 13, 24. Proverbs 13, 24. <clears throat> Proverbs 13, verse 24. The Bible says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. That's crazy. Think about that. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him, chasteneth him betimes. Okay? And that word betimes means promptly. Okay? So a loving parent is not one who is just permissive and, and you know, um, just, oh, I, I just show my kid love. I just show them love. They're running wild, but I'm showing them love. No, you're not. You're showing them hate because you don't have it in you to discipline them. And I'm not talking about abuse your children. Discipline. There's a whole different world between discipline, reasonable discipline, and abuse. Okay? But we're talking about reasonable discipline. A loving parent is one who is protective, right? You protect your parents. I mean, you protect your parents. You protect your kids, right? And this is why God disciplines and corrects us. Because He loves us and He wants to protect us. You know, we tell our kids, don't do drugs. Why is that? Because drugs are bad. And you will either get addicted and you'll start stealing stuff and hurting other people or you'll be dead or in prison. There's no good end to drugs, right? Same thing. God disciplines us and he's a loving parent because he's not persuasive. I mean, he's not permissive. He doesn't just let you go wild. Okay? That's not love. That's actually hate. That's actually hate when you just let your kids run wild. Okay? So let's go to Proverbs 19, 18. Proverbs 19, 18. Again, here's the verse. God's saying, Chasteneth thy, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Okay? What are we talking about? This is God. He loves us, right? He loves us, and He loves us so much that He'll chasten us and chasten us and chasten us. And this is the model that we should have for, if we're parents. You chasten your kids while there's hope. Because there's going to come a time, if you just let them run wild, there's going to come a time when they're running so wild that you're not going to get them back. They're done. And they're going to follow any, anywhere they want to go. Because you've allowed them to have no structure You've allowed them to just run wild and do what they want. And what did the Bible say? That people will do what's right in their own mind? That's, it. That's destruction. That's the same way with God. He says, I'm not going to let you do what's right in your own mind. I'm going to discipline you. Now, you can fight against my discipline, and you're going to go in a very bad place, right? It's going to get really rough for you, right? Um, and, and it talks about there. Let's look back at this verse. Uh, it says, let not thy soul spare for his crying. What is that talking about? What's well, talking about, you know, when your kid's on the floor throwing a temper tantrum and the tears are flying and our heart's kind of soft. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. Come here, let me give you a hug. Here's a cookie. No. Let him cry. And God will do the same thing to us. We may get to a point to where we're crying and moaning and groaning. He goes, okay, you know what? Just lay on the floor for a little while. I'll be back. I'll be back. Okay, because he loves us. Okay, and that's hard. That's hard as a parent. Can you imagine how hard it is for God? He created us. Before, he, he loved us before we even were created, yet he watches us just fail. And he chastens us, and we might be hard-headed and run through that chastening. And trust me, I can tell you from personal experience, when you go against God, it hurts. And when you go against him more, it hurts even. It doesn't get any better. 
until you finally get down on your knees and say, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. Okay? Let's look at Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23 and verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. There's not much we need to say about that, is it? You know, if you spank your kids, it's not going to kill them. But if you don't spank them, that may kill them. That may kill them. If you just let them run wild, then they get to go out and they get to smoking cigarettes and drinking beer and doing drugs. And, you know, now they're breaking into somebody's house to support their drug habit and the homeowner shoots them and kills them. Well, what if you would have stopped them when they were little? Right? Yes. Same way with God. He chastens us and we can fight against it and it's going to get worse. And it may lead to our death. Because if you keep rebelling against God and not doing what he tells you to do, there comes a point that he's just going to go, okay, you're on your own. Have a good time. See where you go with this. And that's on you because he loves you. And the Bible says he loves everyone, right? He wants nobody to go to hell, right? But it may lead you to hell if you do not, do not bow down your little pride and your little ego and, and, and just obey a God that loves you, right? Uh, a parent who truly loves that child will, will discipline them, right, for sinful behavior, right? In order to what? To pre prevent that child from persisting in such behavior. And why do they do that? Because we don't want them to suffer. We don't want them to suffer the consequences of that sin that goes along with it. And that's the same way with God. He doesn't want us to suffer the consequences of sin, so he chastens us. He corrects us. And that's because he loves us. Okay? Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. Hebrews 12, verses 10 and 11 says, the Bible says, For they verily, for they verily, for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness, and unto them which are exercised thereby. Okay, chasteneth, remember we said that means discipline. So likewise, God disciplines us in order to what? Protect us from sin and the effects of that sin, the consequences of our sin, right? He tells you don't do that and you start drifting that way and he starts spanking you, but you keep going because he knows what the consequences are going to be of that sin. And it's not a mistake. People say, oh, I made a mistake. No, you didn't. You made a bad decision. You know, I've arrested people in my career many times and, you know, you get them hooked up and, and you know, they're, you're there in the back of the car crying, oh, I made such a mistake. No, you made such a decision. And these are the consequences of your decision. Okay? Same way with God. He loves us, right? He loves us and he loves us and he loves us. So he will chasten us to protect us from the consequences of our own sin. That's love, right? He's protecting us from our own selves. So let's look at John. Um, John 15, 12. John 15, 12. <clears throat> John 15, verse 12. The Bible says, and this is Jesus speaking, this is my commandment 
that ye love one another as I have loved you. That's pretty hard, right? Because God is loving. He's saying we should be loving. I love you. Jesus is saying I love you so much that even though you're a sinner and even though you reject me and fight against me and, and some of you are going to hang me on a cross and I'm going to die and give my life, I still love you. I love you. That's the kind of love that we should have. If you're a Christian, you ought to have that love, right? Let's look at uh, 1 John 4.11. 1 John 4.11. 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Wow. God's laying it on pretty heavy, isn't he? Because God loved you, because God sent his son to die for you and for your sins and for your rebellion and for your hard-headedness. He says, because I did that for you. If you're a Christian, then you should love others just as much as I loved you. That's hard. We ought to love one another that much. You know, when I was looking at that, that verse this morning about husbands love your wives, man, I was really flipping through the Bible and I haven't found it yet. I'm still looking for a verse that says, wives, love your husbands and make them tacos. <laughs> haven't found it. Oh, man, it's got to be one of those books that didn't make it, right? So because God loves us, we ought to love one another. Okay, so can we, can we live, love others as Jesus loved us? Yeah, we can. Why? Because God's love is in us. So you can't say, oh, I can't love that person. Okay? So there's number one. You can't, you can't stand on that. Okay? So even after someone hurts us, can we still love them? Or does that give us the right to go, I don't love them anymore? Because your sin hurt God. He can't look upon sin. Yet he still sent his son to die for you. So that's gone. You can't do that. You still, God says, nope, still got to love them. Still got to love them, right? And then here's another thing. We were sinners against God and God forgave us and sent his son to die for us because of love. So if you're a Christian and you have this love, can you forgive those that have hurt you? Jesus said, love them like I've told you. So you're supposed to love everyone with his love. You're supposed to, even if they hurt you, still love them. And guess what? You have to forgive them. You have to forgive them. Because if you don't forgive them, guess what that is? That's sin. Now you're against God again. You're in a bad spot. And he's going to chasten you. Remember when we sin, what happens? Right? Forgive. That's true love. That's God's love. Because he forgave us. Okay? Let's, look at, let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. Mama, we're almost done. It's because you don't love. You don't love my lessons. Matthew 5 and 43 through 43. Matthew 5. 43 to 48. Let's read these verses. And this is Jesus speaking, guys. So really listen. It says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, 
that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust for if you love them which love you what reward have ye do not even the publicans the same and if you salute your brethren only what do you more than the others do not even the publicans so be ye therefore perfect even as your father which is in heaven is perfect well, what's he talking about well Perfect doesn't mean you're going to be sinless. Okay, we already know that. Perfect means that you are supposed to be, strive as hard as you can to be complete in God's love and show that to others. That's perfect. Because he says right there, don't even the, the other people, you know, don't they love their own? Yeah. So if you love just your own, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. He said, love your enemies. Pray for them. That, did you read that? Did you hear it? Pray for them that persecute you. That's hard, right? But that's God's love. Let's look at John chapter 13. Because this one goes right along with it. John 13, 34 and 35. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That's right there. That's it right there. That you love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to love like Christ loved. And he says, if you do this, guess what? They'll know you are mine. Okay, so if you're a real Christian and you have a bad attitude or a un, un, or hateful spirit or just unloving towards people, or you're, you know, I don't know what are you doing to display not love. You're not cutting it, right? God teaches us to love everyone just as He does. That's the caveat right there, guys. He doesn't say just love everybody. And there's a church down the street that'll tell you, oh, everybody's love. We all love everybody. Yeah, there's no sin. Let's just have a great day. No. There is sin and we are sinful. That's why he says, love everyone as I loved you. Okay? Because those who are truly saved are the only ones who can really understand what love is. The world can't understand love. They can't. Valentine's Day, there's going to be a bunch of gifts sent because they say they love. Right? But that's a joke. There'll be people that send, you know, men out here that send, you know, gifts to 400 women. Because he's trying to spread his love out and see who will give him love back, right? That's not love, you know? And I love tacos, but that's still not what God's talking about. You can say you love pizza or you love, you know, you love your job. You can love all kinds of things, but that's not the love God's talking about. He says, love everyone as I have loved you, right? Christians ought to be the most loving people on the face of the earth. But you know what? If you ask the general public, Christians are probably not. Either because they're rebelling against God and they have their hard little heart and they have some pride in there that they don't want to give up and they can't love like God or they're not really a Christian. Okay? Because if you're a true Christian and you're obedient to God's word, you'll be the most loving person on the planet. There should be some hugging going on after this Sunday school lesson, right? Yeah. Right. We should be the most loving people on the face of the earth. Why? Because Christ loved you and he gave his life for you. And then he says, once you're saved, I'm going to give you that love freely. 
You don't have to pay for it. So you should be the most loving person on the face of the earth. Let's look at John 13.35. Again, <clears throat> right there it says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Why? How? If you love one another. There it is. So our lives has to be, shall be, must be characterized by love. This means that you love others and you will do what is best for others, not what's best for you. Do you think it was best for God to send his son to die on a cross? No, that was horrible. Even Jesus at the end said, God, if, if, this, this, if this cup can be taken away from me, but he knew it couldn't be. He's the only one that can pay that debt. You love others and your love should, should show that you do what's best for everybody around you. Guess what that's called in the professional world? And they teach this in law enforcement, servant leadership. Servant leadership. That, where do they get that term from? Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Jesus was teaching leadership, baby. And the world runs on it. And I love servant leadership. And there's a hundred books about it. But if you read that, you can read the, the secular books about servant leadership and it's all Jesus and they don't even realize it. It's so funny. Servant leadership, that's Jesus, right? And let's read Romans. Let's go back to Romans 8 again. I don't know how much time we have because, nah, too bad. Romans 8, 31. I'm, I have my watch on too. That's terrible. Romans 8, 31. Let's read this one more time. It says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Because God loves us, because God loves us, we can rest secure in his love, right? God has chosen to make you a special object of his love. You're a special object of his love. Nothing can prevent him from loving you. Nothing can stop God from loving you, okay? Or to stop you from loving him. There should be nothing that stops you from loving God because God is going to give you 110% of his love. Nothing can stop you. Now, the, I want y'all to, I put it down there on the bottom. Romans 8, 31 to 39, maybe later today, you'll sit down and read that and think about God's love and just study those words for a minute, okay? God loves you. And if you're a Christian, you should be loving no questions asked. No matter how you feel, no matter what they've done to you, no matter, you know, what the weather's like, no matter, you know, you wake up and your legs hurt and then your, your arm just fell off. Still got to be loving, right? Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today. Thank you for this opportunity to open your word and learn about your love, Lord, and to see that you're a 100% love, Lord, and, and that you love us with that love. And, and then once we're saved, Lord, he says we, we have that 100% love that we should display it to others, Lord. And I ask you to help us today, Lord, as, as we go into the season of Valentine's, Lord, that we continue to remember that, to love our enemies and love those that persecute us, Lord, and love those that hate us, Lord, and, and even love those that have hurt us, Lord, and to forgive them as you've forgiven us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.